Hello, hello, my name is Clark Heron, a.k.a. The Harry Hobo, and welcome to AKA Sports, episode number 15 on the season. Uh, we are just climbing up the ranks here. Uh, if you pay attention to us, if you're looking for us, simply go to anchor.fm slash a.k.a. sports, or go to facebook.com slash a.k.a. sports slash a.k.a. sports fb. Again, that's facebook.com slash a.k.a. sports fb. There are plenty of ways to listen to us, uh, Fletch. Now, last week we started off this podcast with a, a wonderful topic of the arm barn, so I can't quite live up to that. But <laughs> what we can do is uh, this week we're going to start off with a little bit of um, the Mac attack or the the Mac football that was played on Tuesday and Wednesday. And there's always some very interesting box scores when it comes from the Mac conference. And one such box score came from the Kent State Northern Illinois game. Kent State won that game 52 to 47, which seems like a high scoring game, pretty high up there. Uh, but the more interesting one was Rocky Lombardi, quarterback for Northern Illinois, threw for 532 passing yards, uh, along with three touchdowns, and it seems pretty high until you hear the receiver's box score, where he caught 14 passes, caught all three touchdowns, mm. for a total uh, and a total yardage of 309 receiving yards. My goodness. Wow. Yes. He was feeding him the whole game. Yes, he had touchdowns of 35, 75, and 34. Along what's, with, his, what's his name? Uh, his name is Trayvon Rudolph, is the receiver from Northern Illinois. Uh, absolutely crushed it. There was a couple other ones. There was another game, Ohio. Uh, no, it was Miami of Ohio versus Ohio game. Miami of Ohio receiver... Jack Sorensen caught 14 balls for 283 yards and two touchdowns. That's nuts. Yeah, the defense is, I think, the lowest scoring game from those games. There was five different games that were played. The lowest score on the evening was 31 to 25. Yes, that hey. is the MAC conference for you. Uh, they I know how it. to entertain. So. Uh, again, can't quite live up to the arm barn, but we'll give you some wonderful box scores. And if you want to check those out, simply go to ESPN, uh, look them up, and there is uh, plenty more to go. I didn't even touch the running backs. So we'll let the uh, viewing base uh, handle that. But for us, we've got a podcast to do, and we have some uh, breaking news that has come up over the last couple of days, along with some touching on the college football playoffs, as well as our predictions for the NFL per usual so Fletch let's go ahead and get started here uh the breaking news obviously I won't go into the full story because over the last several days everyone has probably heard it over and over again it's a very tragic story uh but the news from the NFL front was Henry Ruggs was released that evening by the Los Angeles Raiders he is no longer in the NFL he's got uh a lot on his plate right now we'll say it leave it at that um the other news from the NFL was that uh, OBJ or uh, uh, basically was excused from a secondary practice from the Browns, which Fletch, unless I'm reading this wrong, kind of sounds like they might be separating themselves here. Yeah, it sounds like it. I think they uh, – I, I feel like they, they should just cut him. I feel like it's leaning towards that direction. They couldn't get him traded at the deadline Tuesday. So um, at this point – 
I mean, it doesn't sound like he wants to be a Brown. I don't think I think it, I think the video was really the, the the big the big thing that you know caused all this to happen. Like there there had to be something going on before that, and then this video comes out. You know, I know he wasn't he wasn't the person that put the video out, but what was said about the video, or did he denounce the video and say like, nah, you know, my dad did that, not me. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know, but I think they should just cut him. Just he needs a, a fresh start. I think the they should have taken almost anything they could have gotten for him. Um, I think they might their price may have been too high. I feel like you would have been able to move Odell just fine, just with a a, a second day draft pick. You know, just just you, 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 he needs a new location. Agreed, and the stats kind of back that up. Is when with OBJ on the sideline, actually Baker Mayfield in that offense is actually better without him, just because the yeah. the style of offense that they run. So hopefully OBJ will be able to find a new landing spot similar to what he had in New York, where he could kind of be maybe not true the true number one anymore. Uh, maybe his skill set's not quite there, but. If he goes to a team that he can produce well with, who knows? He may be able to shine once again. Uh, Fletch, at this point, what kind of landing spots would you think he would be best suited for? Uh, I think there's I think there's two in particular that pique my interest quite a bit, and that's uh, the Raiders being one of them. Um, I I think I mean they really don't have a strong number one receiver. I mean, Darren Waller is essentially the number one receiver. If you have Odell to pair with that, that'd be pretty dynamic, especially in that offense. Um, Derek Carr is capable. Um, and also my second one would be the Green Bay Packers. I mean, they're kind of on a, a whole last dance situation now. Adding him to that team, you know, that, that would be that would be special to watch, to be honest with you. We might see, you know, fireworks with that one. So I like those two landing spots. I think they're good for him. I think the team's they kind of fit. Um, Odell's more of a vertical receiver. Both teams run, you know, the receivers vertical um, and already have possession guys. So that, that was those were my top two landing spots. Yeah, I would even throw in the New Orleans Saints, who just lost Mike Thomas for the rest of the season. He uh, kind of weirdly kind of made himself out for the season. It wasn't really a team report. It was a self-report, which was a little odd. But that entire situation was odd to begin with. Uh, but that could be another potential spot for him as well. So we'll keep in touch to see exactly what happens there. Uh, moving on to baseball, the Braves are your new World Series champions. It's the eighth different team in eight seasons in a row to win the World Series. It's the first time since the late 70s and early 80s, or through the 80s basically, is when different teams won every single year. Uh, the Braves winning for the first time since 1995. Uh, their coach, Brian Snicker, has been with the Braves organization for 45 years and got his first World Series ring, so congratulations to him. Uh, Freddie Freeman has been with that organization for 12 years, and he finally has his ring. And then the other person on that team that hadn't gotten a ring was third base coach Ron Washington. He played in the MLB from 71 through 1990, and basically, it's been a coach since 1990 or 1991, something like that. He's always been with the MLB since 71, and he got his first World Series ring. So, uh, very well earned all around. They dominated. They won that series four games to two uh, in dominating fashion, winning seven to nothing in that final uh, clinching game. 
so congratulations to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, one other quick note from baseball is that it was scheduled today. Buster Buster Posey, the catcher from the San Francisco Giants, was scheduled to retire today. Uh, he has been the longtime catcher there, probably a first ballot Hall of Famer, at least in my mind. He helped the Giants win three World Series rings during his tenure there as well. So once again, congratulations to the Atlanta Braves, who are 2021 uh, World Series champions. And speaking of champions, we're going to have a couple different champions coming this weekend via uh, one boxing and another MMA. Fletch, what do you have to tell us about those? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's pretty big fight night this uh, to, uh, on this Saturday. We got two UFC title fights. We got one. Uh, um, boxing title fight. Um, I'll go ahead and start off with the with the Canelo Alvarez Caleb Plant fight. Um, super su- super middleweight. They go twelve rounds. Fights in Vegas. Um, Pay per view, of course. I believe this one's through Showtime. Um, the two have a little bit of animosity. The Caleb Plant's on the way up. Um, he has a couple belts himself. Um, Canelo Alvarez. You know he's pretty much the main champion champion in this and really in, in, in boxing, pound for pound, the best boxer on the planet right now. Uh, so it'll be a pretty good fight. I think uh, Alvarez will have his way, but it, I, I think Caleb Plant will show the world that, that he's capable and that he's here. This will unify WBC, the WBC, the WBA, the IBF, and the WO uh, Super Middleweight Champion. So, Clark, people complain about so many belts in boxing. You're going to have one champion in this division right now. Hey, that's a lot easier to count to. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It gets uh, too crazy with the politics, and this right here is a, a huge fight because it will unify all four belts. Not for good, obviously, but for the time being, we know whoever beats Canelo will probably take all the belts once that time you know, possibly comes. So uh, big fight this weekend. Personally, Clark, I got Alvarez knockout ninth round. Wow. Calling the round even. Oh yeah, I'm 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 going ninth round. Give me give me plus one or two, give me plus and minus one, and I'll and then I'll you, you can say I got it right. Hey, I I'm not gonna argue with you there. You definitely know you're fighting a lot more than I do, so uh, I will probably lean with you and go Alvarez, but I I don't know the rounds that. I haven't really paid attention all that much, but it definitely sounds uh, very exciting to actually get all the belts put together uh, rather than having a bunch of different fighters and having the endless conversation about, you know, who's best and who's this, who's that. It's just so much easier to just have basically one belt and everybody fight for it. But uh, very excited to hear those. uh, And you mentioned the other fight, correct, as well? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got two uh, two big UFC fights. It's a big card, actually. It's a lot of good fighters on this card. Five card, five um, um, fights as usual. The two champions that uh, uh, the two championship fights that we have are the women's strawweight title belt or title bout. We got Thug Rose and uh, we got Zane Wheelie. Everybody knows Thug Rose is the champion right now, um, so she's going to defend her belt. I believe this is the first. First time she's defended her belt. She uh, won the title a few months back. So, big fight coming up here. Um, I got Thug Rose in that one. I don't know about a knockout. It's going five rounds, and, and her opponent's really good. Number one contender and has been for a while. So, that should be a good one. And then with the welterweight championship, we got Kamara Usman versus Kobe Covington. This is the second time they fought. Last time, Usman had his way. This time, 
who's to say? Personally, I think Usman's going for the knockout this time. I think he's that good. And Clark, this is why the, this is why this weekend is very interesting. They're both pay per view fights. Set two TV, TVs up if you need them. There has been talks about Usman wanting to fight Canelo in a boxing match. Hmm. Interesting. Usman's a welterweight. Can easily move up a little bit. Canelo, when he fought Floyd, was a welterweight. It's there. Usman is hands down, what they say right now, the best fighter in UFC. And they say Canelo Alvarez is the pound-for-pound best fighter in boxing. I smell a huge payday. But I think they all have to win these fights in, 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 in fashion. Fashion. I need to see knockouts for before I see that to happen. We we get all these crazy kickboxing and boxing matches, you know, and and lately, but no one's been in their prime. If we can get these two in their prime, Clark, I think that'd be something huge. Yeah, it would definitely be a big ticket card for sure. Definitely sell some tickets. But like you said, you gotta win the ones that you're about to fight first before we get too excited yep. uh, potentially fighting one another. Uh, definitely keep an eye out for these boxing, uh, about these fights in general this weekend. Definitely one of the bigger weekends for fighting, especially after a couple weeks ago we had uh, the big Wilder Fury fight. So this will just add on uh, to the wonderful uh, couple weekends for fighting. Um, speaking of, uh, we do have some... Uh, Basically, breaking news here today. Uh, actually, I could be jumping over to the NBA, uh, where the ownership, we touched on it, uh, I think, last podcast a little bit, or you touched on it. Uh, talking about the Suns' owner, different allegations about uh, his past, um, basically racist allegations, sexist allegations, just very bad scenario. Uh, go a little bit more in-depth for our viewers here and let us know just, just how bad this is. Yeah, yeah, Clark. This is this is um, this one's gonna hit the NBA uh, very similar to the Donald Sterling uh, saga, if you will. Um, it won't be as big because that was the first time it's happened. There's been a lot that ha- that's happened since in, in just our, our society and culture. But at the same time, this is something that you know he's the owner of a team that just got to the NBA Finals last year. Um, and one thing I will say is that I, I, I'm glad that Chris Paul is in the situation again. Uh, um, I hate that he's in the situation for him, but for the players and, and the personnel around him, this is actually a great thing. He's been through this. Uh, just to kind of go into what this the owner, uh, Phoenix Suns owner, Robert, Robert Solver, um, because the allegations here, or at this point, I, I mean, I think we can kind of to call call these facts now he said the n-word multiple on multiple occasions uh made lewd uh misogynistic comments in meetings berated coaches um created a toxic work environment um for those you know at home um check out the cbs sports article check out the uh, nba or espn article a uh, lot of lot of facts here if, if you're interested, but I mean, essentially, I'm glad that the Suns did get in front of this Clark last week, and that's why that's it came to our attention, and they they did a very good job of getting in front of it and saying, you know, this is this guy, this is not who we are, um, you know, us within the atmosphere or within the 
work environment, I should say, you know, don't like no one likes the owner. But again, he's the owner of the company. And I'm glad this stuff is coming out. So I think you'll see um, the commissioner, uh, Adam Silver, go ahead and, you know, push him out just like they did Donald Sterling, you know, put the team back on the market. Um, Let's hope I I love Adam Silver as Commissioner Clark. And I think we'll see someone that is going to take care of the team. I, I don't want to shade Donald David Stern in this at all, but I do think that we've learned from those mistakes um, that was made while the commissioner owned the team, if you will. So I did. I wanted to kind of go on both sides of that um, and how the how on the business side of this is really going to be handled as well, because that's kind of the next step is getting rid of this guy and then going into the business business side of things and getting this handled that way as well. Um, at the end, at the end of the day, we know this is a business, so. Right, definitely a business, and like you said, it's Adam Silver is probably one of the best commissioners in any of the major sports. He has been huge, not only just in expansion uh, top possibilities, especially like overseas, uh, getting the NBA so well-liked over uh, in different countries, but when it comes to these scenarios, knowing where we have to be as a society, we have to grow as a society, he has been at the very forefront in making sure that the NBA just has zero tolerance uh, to these scenarios. So uh, he has yeah. definitely been one of the best commissioners. Um, so hopefully they will continue to uh, do exactly as you said, uh, find a way to push him out and uh, move past this and grow past this. Um, but, in the meantime, we've got some NBA games to play, and we're still early on in the season, about seven or eight games <laughs> so far in. And uh, you mentioned to me, and I've brought up the standings here on ESPN. Uh, we got three multiple or three teams that are all six and one at this point. Got the Miami Heat, the Houston Jazz, or they not Houston, Utah Jazz. Uh, two cities, two different teams. Who cares? Uh, as well as the Golden State Warriors, they're all six and one. Uh, doing very well. Then you have behind them, you have the Mavericks, the Lakers, and the Grizzlies out in the West, uh, as well as in the East, you have the Raptors, the Nets, the Wizards, and the Knicks. A little bit of a surprise at 5-3. and three. Uh, Fletch, so far from the early season, uh, anything that you're liking, anything that you're not liking, what, what's going on? Yeah, it's been a good season. It's been a good two weeks. Um, I am in a little fantasy fo- fantasy basketball now. I had to, you know, uh, shift my focus just a little bit here. But at the same time, so uh, you kind of mentioned it. The 6-1 and one teams, they look good. The Jazz, the Warriors, the Heat uh, look very good. Um, there's really You're really starting to see what they're going to look like. The scary thing is, Golden State Warriors are going to get Klay Thompson back. Um that's going to be huge. As well as they're playing now, you add him, and and just and I think it's going to be a very easy transition. I think he's going to play a lot of five on five before he shows up. So that's one thing that I do want to do want to point out. Um, also want to point out that the Lakers are starting to kind of turn things around a little bit. Uh, um, you got some teams in the middle of the pack that are still finding themselves. I think the Clippers will uh, be very dangerous once Kawhi Leonard comes back. Um, and then over in the East, kind of switch focus a little bit. You mentioned the Raptors. The Raptors are back to playing good basketball. I don't know what it was. Maybe they just had to get rid of some of the older guys and let the younger guys really take over. And um, I think you're starting to see them play some really good basketball. Uh, they won five in a row. Um, Clark, one thing to mention, I know we got the Ben Simmons thing going on, but Philly's looking nice. Six and two. 
Yeah. Yeah, they're playing yep. rather well so far, especially kind of putting that distraction to the side and just playing basketball. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting. I have a feeling that Ben Simmons will be back. I think it's just going to take a minute. Um, they're playing well. They've won four in a row. It's in their back. The, the, the players, they're like, it's fine. Just chill, do what you need to do, and then come back when you're ready. So I think we're going to see them play very well. Um, you mentioned the Knicks. Honestly, I'm not too worried. Who I am worried about are two teams, though, Clark. I hate to do this this early, and I think they have a chance to turn it around. The Boston Celtics and the Portland Trailblazers. I have a feeling neither team will make the playoff this year. Yeah, and it was just reported not that long ago that the Boston Celtics had a players-only meeting that was highly emotional. It sounds there was even a report where uh, I believe it was Blake Griffin that was potentially going to join the Celtics before last season. I believe I'm not. I don't remember the yep. exact timing, but no, uh, this off season. Just this off season, okay. And then no, no, was... you're right. I'm sorry. It was before he went to Brooklyn. Okay. I, I apologize. It was mid-season last year. So, yeah, he was going to go there, but then he was told by uh, one of his friends that basically it's a toxic toxic culture and just, just stay away uh, at this point, which is just not good and just not what you want to hear when you're just trying to go out and play basketball and you have to worry about uh, players having – I don't know exactly what's going on. Do you know any more about it? Um, I don't know more than what's being reported, but I do know this, Clark. Um, I would say when Kyrie Irving arrived, it was the wrong time. And I'm not saying he created this because I've never blamed him for what happened in Boston. But what I do blame is somewhat of the, the front office of not realizing who you needed to get rid of and who you needed to keep. It was literally a collection of assets. That's why it's never worked. It's always been with Danny Ainge, a collection of assets. Um, once we, you know, we, we've been talking about doing like a, a kind of a roundtable discussion. Um, it might be more for that about Danny Ainge. Because I do have, I, I have a, I, I, I'm not a fan of how Danny Ainge is as a, um, a GM. And I'm glad he stepped aside. And I think Boston recognized that. And it's always been that. And I think that's the problem now is all these guys are, there's a lot of young alphas that really want to be the guy. And it's, this is not enough to go around. Uh, they, they've played well. They played much better when they were younger, to be honest with you together. And now that they are who they are, I think you're starting to see egos clash a lot. And I mean, we see it often in, in history, Clark, to be honest with you. And it's not a bad thing, but it's something that I feel like they should have been recognized a lot sooner. Cause this has been going on for like, three to four years maybe a little bit longer yeah it seems like ever since Danny Ainge took over it was uh, he would have a decent team put together and then just kind of add one or two pieces that never really never really gelled with one another Uh, right the Al Horford scenario and bringing in Marcus Smart like it just never really gelled it looked great on paper when you look at their depth it looks great but it just just hasn't put it together yet hopefully with that players meeting they'll be able to figure some things out i know marcus smart came out and said he needed uh to pass the ball or somebody else needed to pass the ball more um it's hectic right now <laughs> to say <laughs> yeah, the I don't least trust it. Yeah. yeah so i, don't trust I would this. No, i would say yeah. your uh, your your guess of them having struggling this year you're probably not wrong 
appreciate it. Yeah, I think that's where I, I hope they turn it around. I hate to do that, but I, I think that's what we're seeing. Um, with Portland, I think we're just seeing somebody struggling with a new coach. I don't know. It depends on how quickly they can really get better because we know how the West is. And the West right now, after you get past really the top two teams, it's a little hazy and it's going to shake out soon. So Portland needs to get it together sooner than later to make sure they're part of that. Because once it gets, you know, a little hectic there, you you know, you may you may you may be left out. You may be left out. True. Once one of those teams, especially a Golden State with Clay Thompson coming back, if they get up to a you know ten game lead, they may not look back. Uh, so hopefully, you never want to be a seven or eight in the West. Yeah, especially that first round exit is brutal. Uh, so yeah, we will continue to keep an eye on the NBA. Obviously, it's very short, small game so far, only seven or eight games in, uh, but we will keep an eye on them, and we all wish Detroit a uh, quick turnaround from their one and six start, but they're not the only ones. The Rockets, the Thunder, and the Pelicans, who still have uh, Zion Williamson losing weight at this point uh, to potentially turn it around, but again, we will continue to keep an eye on the NBA. Anything else before we move on to college football? No, it's sad, sad day for Detroit, though. They just sad. I don't know. Why do they suck in both sports, Clark? <laughs> it It is a I don't know. I really wish I knew. But as the Tigers we, aren't good either, are they? No, they're not. Uh, they played well for a hot moment during the season. They actually battled back. I think they finished either second or third in that division, which is a big surprise. But. Yeah, it's been quite a while since any Detroit team has had success since I think uh, I think the, the Pistons was maybe their last championship team. Uh, back when they beat the Lakers, that was the early 2000s. Uh, I don't, don't remind me. Don't think the Tigers have won since. Uh, uh, the Tigers might have won a World Series. I don't think so. But that is a discussion for another day. We're going to leave Detroit to. Uh, sit there, and in the meantime, let's go ahead and talk about the college football playoffs and the college football playoff rankings. The very first one came out just this past Tuesday. Um, if you were watching or listening, I actually did a small little snippet uh, about the playoff predictions, and you would have seen that me getting 7 out of 10 right, uh, or not 7 out of 10, 3 out of 10. I got 7 out of 10 wrong, 3 out of 10 correct, so I had a very bad week, but I will say this, I wasn't fully expecting the committee to rank certain teams towards the end of the top 25. For example, a three-loss Wisconsin was ranked at 21. Minnesota, 6-2 team, was ranked at number 20, which gave Ohio State a ranked win. Wisconsin gave both Notre Dame and Michigan a ranked win. Fresno State being ranked gave Oregon a second ranked win. So a lot of that was kind of unknown. I wasn't sure exactly how they were going to rank the rest of them. And obviously it didn't help me with my predictions as well. But as for right now, the first playoff predictions or playoff rankings are as follows. Uh, you have number one, Georgia, number two, Alabama, number three, Michigan State, number four, Oregon. And then you have number five, Ohio State with Cincinnati being pushed to six. Fletch, honestly... I don't agree with it. I don't like the fact that they put 
a non-Power 5 school in Cincinnati who's been playing very good football up until this point and played Indiana just as badly as Michigan State did, uh, put them all the way back at 6. Are we ever going to see a Power 5 school in this top 4 at some point? No, I don't think so. It's kind of sad. To be honest with you, I completely agree with you. They got shafted. Let's just be honest. Um, you're second in the AP poll. You're second in the coaches poll, and you're sixth in the playoff. That's ridiculous. I I understand a little bit of movement, and I understand th- things at the bottom get a little hard to hard to decide. This is the pro- the biggest problem that I have with this is let alone of being a group of five, a power five, whatever whatever it is, mid major is what it used to be. Regardless of that, Cincinnati, I believe, regular season last year, went undefeated. And they lost to, was it Florida last year, Clark? That sounds accurate. Or Georgia? Uh, It was Georgia Georgia last year in the Peach Bowl. Okay, okay. They lost to Georgia in the Peach Bowl by like three points. It was a one-score game. That's all I remember. It's a one-score game. They came back this year they brought back most of their team that was talked about coming into the season that's why they were so highly ranked to begin with if we remember and i'm sorry i this is i I need to go back um the preseason poll they were eighth already in the preseason poll you mean to tell me everything that they've done from now until from the end of the from then until now they've only moved up two spots that's essentially what they're telling us. Yeah, and unfortunately, when it comes to the committee, uh, they have all the variables that everyone else can use: strength of schedule, uh, you know, your overall record, who you've played. But they don't have to use any of them. It's basically what variables they choose to use over others. I will say this: moving just a little bit past Cincinnati, I applaud them for valuing head-to-head matchups. That is why we see Wisconsin, even though there are three losses, ranked one spot ahead of Iowa that they just beat by 20. Uh, we also see Oklahoma State one spot ahead of Baylor, who they beat earlier this season. And then we see Oregon ahead of Ohio State, which they beat in the second week of the season. So I applaud them for that. I also applaud them for putting Oklahoma at number eight. I had so many discussions uh, through other groups on uh, social media, and they were always trying to put Oklahoma in the top four just because they were undefeated. And I tried to tell them that the committee, just like where they put Wake Forest at number nine, they haven't beat anybody yet. No one that they've beat was ranked. Texas was ranked at one point, but they're no longer ranked, not even by the committee's ranking are they ranked. And the teams that they did beat, they struggled to beat. It's been a hard season for Oklahoma at this point, and so I applaud the committee for putting them back, keeping them at arm's length, giving them the opportunity to move up. They still have uh, this week they're on a bye, but then they play Baylor, which is ranked in the top 15, Then they'll play Iowa State that was ranked, but I don't know if they're going to be ranked by that point. And then at the very end of the season against Bedlam against Oklahoma State. So they have plenty of opportunity to move up. 
because we all know the Big Ten still, Ohio State has to play Michigan, and Michigan State left. Uh, we know Alabama, Georgia. Georgia's already in the SEC championship game. They've already locked it in. Uh, it doesn't matter if they lose out. They're still going to go. They don't play yeah, they don't play anybody left. Uh, they still have – yeah, it's they got nobody left. Alabama only has Auburn and the Iron Bowl left. Uh, so there's going to be a plenty of chances to move up, even like a team like Wake Forest has a chance to move up. Unfortunately, they have nobody ranked left. But back to Cincinnati, unfortunately, what the committee also did that I don't like was that they unranked or made SMU unranked. So they lost a ranked game on their resume. And now it just comes down to Houston winning out, and hopefully by the end of the season – Houston is ranked to where in the AAC championship game is Cincinnati will have a ranked opponent to potentially move up because at this point, Oregon should win out in the Pac-12 and win the Pac-12 championship. We don't know what's going to happen in the Big Ten, and we don't know what's going to happen with Alabama-Georgia at the end of the year, assuming Alabama makes it. I would like to see Cincinnati in the top four because they've been playing great football at this point. I understand their best win right now is Notre Dame, which the committee has at number 10. So, but unfortunately, we still got a lot of football yet to go. Still got an entire month. Uh, hopefully, this will play out. There's going to be a lot of good football left. But, uh, Fletch, for this week, speaking of schedule... There's not too many games. There's only one actually ranked game uh, to follow up the Mac Nation that we saw on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, and that ranked game is Auburn versus Texas A&M in Kyle Fieldhouse. This is going to be a pretty big game because not only does Texas A&M obviously have the win over Alabama, but if they beat Auburn, it's going to make that Iron Bowl just a little bit not interesting anymore. Yeah. And it, it, not that it would truly affect Alabama. Even if Alabama wins that game, they're going to go in the SEC championship game and still have a ranked game left. But there is also, I think, the one big game that you would be very interested in. I think you've already mentioned it multiple times on this podcast. Uh, Liberty versus Ole Miss. <laughs> I cannot wait. I've been waiting for this all season. We get to see what the kid is made of. I'm excited. I'm excited. I think we're going to see. I and, and the thing is, is that we got Matt Corral on the other side now. So now you have not only a good team, you have a dynamic quarterback as well. So we're going to see what Malik Willis has. Um, they played a very good season this year. They've lost. They lost to Syracuse by three, and they lost to. Uh, who is this? Yeah. Um, Louisiana Monroe by also three, uh, which was a bigger, uh, which is a big upset. That's their three and three team, the lesser conference. That shouldn't have happened, but still, both their wins are only only by three points. Um, they beat some decent teams on the way. He's been showing out, so we'll see what he's made of. Actually, this game they have a bye week after this, and then also the the um, Louisiana game uh, will also be a good test as well because Louisiana, I believe, is in the college football rankings. Um, if not, they're in the AP poll. Uh, so I know they're ranked. Um, so yeah, man, I'm excited. That's a, a noon game, so I will be at the house, and uh, we're gonna turn that bad boy on. I think the SEC <laughs> Network has it. 
Uh, yes, it's going to be on the SEC network. Um, so yeah, we're actually going to see what Malik Willis can do against a, a primetime, um, actually good team, as well as actually have a pretty a pretty decent uh, comparison to another potentially Heisman winning quarterback in Matt Corral, uh, just to see how well he measures up. It'd be very very interesting to see at the very end of the day. Uh, Fletch, yes, uh, before I jump into your upsets of the week i do have one upset that i i it might happen it just Wait might happen me. uh it's gonna be obviously we saw last week we saw the big brother little brother game which i don't think they're gonna officially call it that game uh <laughs> they're gonna it's the paul bunyan game that's the winner of the paul bunyan trophy uh but that was a hard-fought game it was a game that michigan state had to battle back from 16 points down to win uh, they are currently ranked number three overall in the committee's first rankings. And they have to go on the road to West Lafayette and play Purdue, which is not an easy out. Uh, a team that put it on Iowa two weeks ago. It would not shock me if it took everything Michigan State had after coming off such a highly emotional game to take care of Purdue. But I think Purdue might just do it. So Upset alert. it is a 3.30 game on ABC. I will definitely be keeping watch on that one. Fletch, beyond that one, who else is on upset alert this week? I don't want to mention that was a pretty good pick. You know, the line is actually only negative three. Yeah, Purdue's playing good football this year. They just, I mean, they destroyed Iowa, which Iowa was kind of falling off of the cliff at this point. But Purdue's playing good football, and they are not an easy out. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I'll be watching that as well. Um, yeah, I got see. Now I got my 12 o'clock game. I got my 3.30 game. We're good, man. Um, let's check out the 6 o'clock. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so we got upset alert. Um, I, I have my eye on one in particular, and that's North Carolina knocking off Wake Forest in Chapel Hill. Um, that's a noon game as well. That could be very interesting. You could get a good Carolina that shows up today or Sunday, uh, Saturday. And um, I know Wake Forest is they can they can score, but you never know what might happen with that. Uh, so that's one set on upset I do have. Uh, the other upset, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not gonna call it. I'm not. I'm not gonna call the upset, but they are on upset alert, and that's Oklahoma State. Um, they're going to Morgantown. It's the line is 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 pretty similar to the game that you picked as well it's it's, it's uh minus three and a half um so that that may be very interesting and west virginia is a pretty good football team just kind of struggling throughout the season but they they've they've played a couple good teams very 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 closely so we'll see how good they are against oklahoma state um those are the i mean you can't call auburn and him as a as a really an upset in either way i'll ask you clark who you got in this game uh for that game uh, I don't think I can pull off the upset there. I don't think. Uh, I would say North Carolina played pretty well against Notre Dame last week. Uh, they're at home, but they haven't really put everything together quite yet. I would say Wake Forest ekes this one out, but okay. uh, I like that three-point line. They they might win it by three points. Three or three to seven points is probably where that where I'm going to have them at. <laughs> gotcha. That's a good line. And uh... – who do you have in the Auburn A&M game? Uh, for that one, man, 
It is tough because Bo Nix played really, really well last week. Um, he did. And Texas A&M is just kind of surprising. And they lost their quarterback earlier on, uh, but they keep playing well. Um, the 12th man is there at 330. I don't know if there's going to be fully there, even though they. I saw an article that said that might be uh, the largest crowd that they had at Kyle Fieldhouse all season, which is kind of surprising to be larger than the Alabama primetime game. Um, but if they can get those students to be there at 330, uh, I say Texas A&M wins this one, but that could be a great game to watch. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That'd be 2.30 their time as well, so a little earlier over in College Station than it would be for us as well. So that'd be, you know, just another added factor in getting that student section in there. Um, I got Auburn in this one personally. Um, I think they'll pull it off. I think Bo Nix will ride that wave and they'll get it done. Um, that'd be a huge win for them. Uh, with just two losses, they'll raise up in the ranks, and you know that that's gonna lock. I, I think they're gonna solidify themselves. You know, if they can after they if they can win this game after that, and possibly get them a nice primetime bowl game coming up this year. Um, one, I guess the last one, man. Before we move on, and I go back to it. I really would love to see Liberty get this upset, Clark. <laughs> I really would. It would it would make my day if they could pull that off. I'm not going to think any less of Malik Willis if they lose this game. I don't want people to think that as well. Their team, I would think, is completely outmatched, um, especially when it starts to get later in the game. You have to rely on your depth. One fun fact that I want to mention in this game, the quarterbacks from both teams, Willis and Corral, lead their teams in not only passing, but also rushing. So buckle your seatbelts at 12 o'clock, get your beer ready, and you're going to see a show. Yeah, if Ole Miss cannot handle Malik Willis's running ability, uh, watch out because it could be a could potentially be on upset alert. Uh, but we'll see. I, mean, I don't think Ole Miss is going to lose this game at home, but crazier things have happened in college football um and it definitely would hurt the likes of like an alabama who is having their best win against old miss this season uh so we'll definitely keep an eye on that one at noon last question before we move on to the nfl uh fletch super important it's got to throw it out there that people need to know need to know your answer on this does missouri score a touchdown against georgia No. <laughs> no. The, the current I'm going for a shutout. That's a good question. Oh. Yeah, it's no. the over under is 39 at this point. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that was well, the line is 39. But the over/under is fifty-nine point five, actually. So Vegas thinks they're going to score. This is a good one to bet on, actually. If you feel as strongly as I do, I'm not going to bet. I, I'll just be honest with you. I'm not. I'm not that well deep into that yet. I do pay attention to the lines and I and I do dibble and dabble, but I wouldn't bet for a shutout. I'm not that bold yet. But if you are, that would be interesting to bet on. You would hit huge because the line is so big; it makes you believe. That I mean, how many points would that be if they won by thirty nine? They're yeah, that that's that's a hard line. It's almost impossible actually. So that's interesting for those. Those I'm glad you mentioned that, Clark. Now you got me on to something. 
we're gonna move on though. But that's just something to keep in mind. Though from the betting crowd, that line is ridiculous. Yeah, it, it may change today being Thursday. It may change before uh, Saturday comes along, especially with Georgia being as dominant as they are, only giving up 6.6 points on the season. Uh, so less than a touchdown given up per game by this dominant Georgia defense. Uh, but yes, for the entirety of the schedule, we will keep an eye on some of those bigger games that we mentioned, especially as it comes to or pertains to the college football playoff rankings for week two. But let's go ahead and move on to the NFL. Uh, we had a wonderful pick six last week. Uh, last week, uh, you only got one right. Yeah. I got three right. It was a very sm- it was a bad week for everyone. In all seriousness, because only three right is the top score. It's a bad week, but uh, fortunately enough, I was able to uh, get another game on you. I'm up on three points on you at this point, but have no fear. Uh, you have picked the games for this week. We will start off with the first one. It is Cleveland Browns uh, going to Cincinnati, going in-state against the Bengals. Obviously, the Bengals' offense has looked very, very good. Uh, that Jamar Chase-Joe Burrow connection has been, well, LSU-esque uh, from 2019. They are just dominating things uh, for someone that had the drop season the preseason. Uh, he's doing quite well as a rookie, uh, has set some records, and probably will continue to do so. As for Cleveland, we kind of touched on it a little bit. There's a lot of uh, distractions going on with the OBJ situation. They're dealing with a few injuries. Kareem Hunt is still on IR. Uh, but this team, at 4-4, four and four, they need to right the ship quickly. Otherwise, the season can get away from them very quickly, especially in a tough division for this game, however, uh, I think Cincinnati and Joe Burrow get it get it done. I think Joe Mixon it towards the end uh, helps run out the clock. Fletch, who do you got? Yes, sir. Um, I have the Cincinnati Bengals as well. Um, I think they go ahead and uh, I really think they have a really good game uh, this Sunday. And I think they beat the Browns fairly handily. Um, I think the Browns will show up a bit, but I, I got the Bengals in this one. I dig it. I like it. And let's move on to game number two on the pick six. We have the Atlanta Falcons going on the road to the Superdome to face the New Orleans Saints, who had a great win this past week. Uh, their quarterback, however, Jameis Winston, tore his ACL. He is done for the season. So potentially Tamis, or, uh, Tamis, uh, Taysom Hill could be the quarterback this week. Uh, but he is still in concussion protocol, even though he did lobby a full practice today. If he cannot go, it's uh, Trevor Simeon, who filled in admirably last week. He didn't really do anything impressive, but that's kind of the style of play he was from uh, his days back in Northwestern, uh, as well as even Denver in the NFL. Uh, this one for me, pretty simple. I've got the Saints in that dominant defense, and more than likely they were going to go with the Alvin Kamara train on offense. Atlanta's just not quite getting it done, and we still haven't heard back from Calvin Ridley's situation. So I have the Saints winning it. Fletch, uh, do you agree? I agree. I think that was a fairly solid pick. Um, the quarterback situation worries me a little bit. Um, hope Jameis gets better and comes back next year. Um, but yeah, I, I got the Saints in this one. I just think that defense is a bit too strong. I think they'll cause a few turnovers. 
uh, get some stops, some timely stops. I do think the uh, offense may not do a do a lot, and the Falcons can run it up a bit. So we'll kind of see how this plays out. But I got the Saints uh, in a in a one score game. Oh, very close. Uh, I would say they got two scores uh, against that Atlanta defense that's basically non-existent. But uh, <laughs> I like the pick nonetheless. We both went with the Saints. Uh, game number three, we have the Panthers versus the Patriots. Uh, and this one, there has been rumblings about run CMC or Christian McCaffrey potentially playing this week. Uh, he was able to practice, I think, in a very limited capacity. But I think the rumor around it is that if he happens to play, he will be playing at a very a much smaller capacity. They don't want to obviously have the same scenario as we had last year where they tried to bring him back for a game and then he sat out the rest of the season. Uh, they still have something to play for, but it also seems like Sam Darnold will not start this game. Uh, so the XFL star will be starting. I forget his name. Uh, Phillips is, I believe. If I can remember his name. This is like PJ Walker. PJ Walker. That's it. Yeah. I knew it started with a P. I was close. Um, I'm with you. But P.J. Walker seems to be starting this game, which kind of scares me a little bit because even though he's not technically a rookie, he pretty much should be viewed as a rookie quarterback. And when you go against Bill Belichick, that means Bill Belichick's going to win. I've got the Patriots winning this game. Who do you got? Man, we're uh, three for three on this, Clark. I also have the Pats. Uh, a lot of the reasons you mentioned, but also this is a very big matchup. And I think the uh, the Pats, just the way they've been rolling lately, are really up to it. Um, if you remember, the Panthers did lose three straight before winning last week. Uh, the Patriots have been playing very good football, especially as of late. Mac Jones looks looks really good. Um, so I, I, I'm going with the Pats in this one, and I think they uh, that actually puts them in much stronger playoff contention. They're eighth now, um, currently ranked, and winning this game very well could put them into the sixth or seventh spot. I, I agree with that as well. Uh, let us go ahead and move on to our fourth game. We have uh, the home team being the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they will be hosting the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, just recent news that uh, Herbert was viewed as potentially having a little bit of a, I think it was a wrist injury. Um, they have... I've uh, been playing very well for the most part. Mike Williams did struggle last week for fantasy purposes. Uh, he uh, was surely shut down by that Bill Belichick system. Um, as for Philly, a team that just dominated what we all know is the Detroit Lions. Uh, they won, I think, 44 to nothing or 44 to three. I can't remember the exact score. It doesn't really matter all that much, but. <laughs> Uh, they dominated that game. I don't think it's going to go as easily this time around. But I will say this. At home, they got the confidence boost that they needed. I've got the Eagles winning this game at home against the Chargers. Fletch, who you got? Hmm. It's an interesting one, man. Um, I've kind of pondered on this one a bit. I don't trust the Eagles. Um. I, the Chargers have not really been playing great, but the good news that I saw today was that Herbert was a full uh, participant in practice. Um, Eckler, you know, they're they're fresh. I believe they just had a bye week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I think what, yeah, it was just last yeah. week, mm -hmm. I believe. 
So uh, I think they'll come out fresh. They've been preparing for the Eagles for two weeks. I know with these bye weeks, the first week they kind of do a little prep and the second week is full prep. Um, and, you know, having two weeks to prepare for a team that's really not that great, to be honest with you. I think they'll come out and uh, have a great game and, and close this thing out. So I got, I got the charges in this one. We will see what happens. Maybe you can gain a game on me on that one. Uh, as for the quote-unquote supposedly primetime game, it was the Packers versus the Chiefs. This was uh, tailor-made for State Farm <laughs> commercials galore uh, with the Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes scenario. However, pa or, uh, Aaron Rodgers actually tested positive with COVID. He is out for this game. Uh, so now Jordan Love will be the starting quarterback for the Packers. But the good news is they are getting Devontae Adams back. And against that, well, let's just say terrible Kansas City defense, uh, we should see at least a good run game with the combination of Jones and Dillon. But for Kansas City, you just sometimes it's hard to just not count out Patrick Mahomes, who, yes, he's throwing, I think, still a league high in interceptions, but... Uh, they can still put up some good points from time to time. Again, I'm just kind of feeling the home team. I've got Kansas City pulling off the upset in this one. Fletch, do you agree? Hmm. I've thought about this one a lot as well. And it's funny. So I do the pickums at work. And people come to my desk. And they basically turn in their sheets. Everyone before tonight's game, or before, yeah, they got to lock them in tonight. So everybody yesterday and today gets the news about Aaron Rodgers. Everyone changes their pick to Kansas City. I'm rolling with the Packers on this one. My reason is this. The Kansas City Chiefs, defensively, are essentially non-existent to a degree. Yep. Um, they don't play good defense whatsoever. Yes, Jordan Love is the quarterback and Aaron Rodgers is not. But there is a reason why the Packers were were basically okay with Aaron Rodgers not playing there anymore because they feel like Jordan Love is ready. I'm not saying that they're quarterback whispers or anything, but the last two guys they had have, have hit. I don't know if that's going to be a third thing. I do think they they actually I think they know good quarterbacks and they know how to groom them there though. And I think Jordan Love just like. Um, Aaron Rodgers has seen a lot of Aaron Rodgers being up close to him, and I think we'll see him have a decent game. Remember, they still have their weapons. What can what can the Chiefs do to stop Jones, Adams, and whoever else? They lost Tunyon. That was kind of a big blow. But those two guys are very dynamic. I just don't see them stopping them, Clark. I think we still see a very good primetime game. I think the Chiefs will fight and fight and fight the whole game, and I think the Packers squeak this one out. Yeah, it could be a very, very close game. I know the, uh, the pick em when the Rodgers news came out, it definitely swapped from being heavily Packers to almost a 50-50 flip uh, at this yeah. point. So be interesting to see. Uh, again, hopefully I can continue to uh, increase my gap here on you. But uh, you never know. You might be right with Jordan Love and the weapons that he has there. Uh, and again, that terrible Kansas City defense. But we will find out. And last but not least, we have our game six. We have the Tennessee Titans, who unfortunately lost Derrick Henry. Uh, he will likely be out for the rest of the season at this point. I think the injury is marked from six to eight weeks or six to ten weeks, somewhere in there. Uh, a lot of analysts are talking more like eight to ten weeks. So 
He might be back for the uh, playoffs, for the playoff run if the Titans happen to get there, but nothing before then. Uh, they are going on the road to L.A. to watch the show known as the Rams uh, continue to just dominate on offense. And my little Cooper Cup just dominate not only in regular football, but in fantasy football as well. As uh, you know quite well there, Fletch, you have him as your top receiver. Um, but for real football, I, yeah, I got I got the Rams on this one. This one's pretty easy for me. <laughs> Who do you got? Yeah, I think uh, with the Henry injury, it has become a little bit easier to pick. Um, I do think the Titans are still a good football team. I like the pickup of Adrian Peterson. I know he's older, but he's the last guy that I kind of remember um, that plays like Derrick Henry because not many play like Derrick Henry. Adrian Peterson is probably the last guy to do so since, I mean, that's the gap. There's no one between those two. So, um, yeah, I think we see a, I think, I think we see a still a good Tennessee Titans show up. You still got AJ Brown, Tannehill's more than capable. Um, the defense I know is a bit porous and that's where it gets ugly. And I got the Rams in this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And bring in Adrian Peterson. We'll see what that turns into. Obviously he can, he can do, he can run up and down the field to straight lines. That's no problem. He doesn't need to really catch the ball. He never has in his career either, but being 36 years old, not sure what else you got left in the tank, but we will yeah. soon find out. It was good enough to at least get him signed to the team and be on the 53-man roster. So something's got to be good there at least, uh, but we will keep an eye on that one. Now let's go ahead and finish this off with our top 10 for the week. Uh, obviously, we had some movement. Uh, obviously, the Cardinals lost last week. Uh, we also saw the Buccaneers lose last week as well. So we will see just how far down each one of our rankings they go. Uh, but at number 10, I have the Saints after their nice win at home against the Bucks. Pick six to seal it against Tom Brady. Uh, their defense alone, along with just Alvin Kamara on the offensive side, I don't care who their quarterback is. As long as that defense plays well, they have a chance. And at 5-2 and two on the season, they're playing very good football. I have them at number 10. They were previously unranked for me. Fletch at 10 or 10, who do you got? Yeah, man. I got the uh, the, the Las Vegas Raiders back in my top 10. Um, I just really like the way the team's been playing. Um, I know they just came off a of bye week. Part of the reason why I have them sliding up is a lot of teams that – you know, we're six through 10. Uh, there was a lot of movement. <laughs> like you mentioned, it was just a lot of movement. And I think that uh, the Raiders were right there on the outside looking in for me. I still think it's a really good football team. They got a Giants team coming up where they could kind of, I think they should impose their will and win that game and uh, go up to six and two. And that'd be big for them moving forward, especially with Kansas City struggling. And then also uh, the Chargers uh, recently, you know, struggling a bit as well. So. Um, I got I got the Raiders in this one. And I think they they come together after the tragedy that happened. So true. They have had a quite a whirlwind of a season so far this year. Um, I like your Raiders, but I like them one spot higher at my number nice. nine is where I have them listed. Uh, again, yeah, they're dealing with a lot of off the field stuff, but they continue to play good football at this point, um, especially Sands John Gruden at this time. Derek Carr and company. Josh, Josh Jacobs is quietly having a very good season. 
so far. If they can just utilize him and more in the passing game, not only will that team just get better on the offensive side, but it also helps some of our fantasy teams. So if you're listening out there, pass him the ball. Give us a chance to celebrate a little bit. But uh, as long as he continues to get rushing touchdowns, he is going to be a very viable running back uh, for real and fantasy football. At number nine, who do you got, Fletch? I like I like our nines and our tens. We just got to flip, man. I got the Saints here at nine. Um, very welcome to flip these. So I I think we're in agreement at least as where they are uh, in the whole scheme of things. Um, for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, the Saints they just play really good football. They just took down the Bucks, um, and and you know, in 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 good fashion too. I, I love I love finishing the game off. That how they did with the was it the pick six to finish it off? Yep. Yeah, hey, pick six is my favorite play in sports, so I love to see it, especially to finish it off against the goat. That was great. So I, I got them at my at the ninth spot. Um, really like what they what they're doing. Um, I think regardless of who's on their offensive side of the ball, that defense is basically saying you're not going to beat us unless you score more than three touchdowns. And I think that's what it's going to take for them to get into the playoffs. I don't know how much noise they make in the playoffs. We've seen great defenses do it before. But uh, if they can get some consistent quarterback play, that could be a scary team over there. So, um, And I think they win again this weekend. So um, I got them here at nine. Yeah, and really they kind of just need a little bit of a wide receiver help. Maybe a signing, a free agent signing of Deshaun Jackson, maybe. Could be in the future for them. Um, but as for now, I like them. At, you're sitting at number nine. At number eight, we have the exact same team. We both have the Ravens sitting at number eight. Uh, again, we know what Lamar Jackson can do. Uh, the passing game is slowly getting better. we actually seen it slightly better. I think they had a bye week last week, but they both sit at number eight for us. At number seven, uh, Fletch, who do you got at number seven? Tennessee Titans. Um, I want okay. to put them higher, but I do rank th- – I'd like to rank teams where they are, and I think where they are as a team is not necessarily where they would have been as a team had Derrick Henry been there. That is a big blow. Um, that is my only reason for them being number six in the power rankings. They are currently number one in the entire AFC. Um, so I don't know how if I'm being a little bit disrespectful having them this low or not, but my reasoning is just because as they are currently with Adrian Peterson and McNichols, and your backfield, you are not the same team that you were with Derrick Henry because you relied on him, and he has actually won them games this year. Yeah, man, he's been huge this year. His stats are unbelievable. If you're unsure just how good Derrick Henry has been this early on, look up the stats and see how big of a difference there is between the top running back versus number two. It is insane. So that is why... I kind of don't have the Titans listed in my top 10, but uh, if they do play well without Derrick Henry and they do have an assemblance of an offense again, maybe their passing game gets better without Derrick Henry. Hard to believe because that play action pass was so good for Tannehill. Uh, they might jump back into it, but for my number seven, I have the Cincinnati Bengals listed there. They uh, actually dropped one spot in my list. Uh, simply because all the movement around, they still have plenty of time to move up. They play in a very difficult division at this point, but they are playing some very good football. Again, we mentioned with Burrow and Chase and Higgins, uh, they're playing good football at this point, but 
I, I gotta have him at number seven because at my number six is where the Cardinals have fallen to, and I still think they are slightly better than the Bengals, at least at this point. I would like to see Kyler Murray get fully healthy, get back to actually running the football, something we haven't really seen him do all season long, but that's a product of how good their offense has been, that they haven't needed to rely on his running ability. He actually leads the league in downfield throws of 25 yards or more. I think the percentage is like over 60% completion, which leads the NFL. Uh, so I like them at number six. Fletch, who do you who have at number six? Hmm. That was interesting. That was very interesting. The Bengals I debated on so much, but to actually at 10 and 11, Clark, to be honest with you. Oh. Um, yeah, they're currently my number 11 team if we had to pick one. I that I I don't agree with how high you have them, but I do like your reasoning though. I still I do think they're a good football team. Um, I just think the top is becoming a little bit of a logjam, really between those top eleven teams that we're talking about, possibly even twelve. Um, however, moving on, um, number six we're on here. I got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I know they took an L to the uh, Saints last week, which is the reason why I have the Saints moving up to about nine there. Um, I was tempted to drop the Bucks a little bit further, to be honest with you. But, I mean, they are still the Buccaneers. You still got Tom Brady back there. You're still having a pretty good season. You took a tough L to a divisional opponent that's playing really good football right now. So, I don't want to think anything less of them. And I think when they see them again, they'll probably get their revenge. Um, six and two, five and two, both at the top of that division, which is actually becoming a pretty tough division um, if the other two teams could uh, continue to play well. But um, I got the Bucks here at six. I just think their their team again, just where they are, they're now coming off uh, going into a bye week, and I think it's going to help them regroup, tackle the second half of the season. I think uh, they'll continue to show us how good they are. Yeah, and they're still a very very dangerous team even after that loss uh, on the road. At number five, Fletch, who is your number five team? Yes, sir. We have those Buffalo Bills. Um, the Buffalo Bills, still a good football team. Last week, I had them at number four. They only fell a spot just due to being idle. Um, really like what, you know, what they're, what they're doing. Um, they had a tough loss, uh, coming into the bye week. So I think coming out of the bye week, I don't think their schedule's really too strong necessarily, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I had a glance at it earlier, uh, today and I just, you know, there was a couple games. So I think they played like the Jags and the Jets next, mm -hmm. um, yeah, then they got the Colts. They got a couple tough games towards the end of the season, but thankfully for them, they'll finish the season against, you know, the Falcons and, and the Jets. So um, <laughs> they they have an easy, uh, you know, easy walk, I believe, to, to because of how good they are. And um, I still think they're one of the better teams in football. And my top five still got them fifth. Who you got? Not bad, not bad. At my number five, I have the Dallas Cowboys sitting at number five. Uh, offensively, one of the best in football. Defensively, they're actually, uh, in terms of total team defense, they are just now beginning to be a top 10 team. And they've been playing very, very good on both sides of the football. Uh, a very dangerous team, especially towards the playoffs time. We'll see if they can continue going here. Obviously, they're getting Dak back. They got a great win with Cooper, Cush or Cooper Rush last week, which was surprising to many. But uh, they were able to get that win. Obviously, the, the, the funnier part of that game was at the very end when Amari Cooper basically told CeeDee Lamb, no, that I'm going to have this route. You're not going to take my route. Uh, 
that was quite interesting <laughs> to have that conversation at the very end of the game. But they pulled off the win. I like them at number five. At my number four, this is where I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which for me was dropping one spot. Obviously, uh, they lost last week, but they're still a really good team. I, it's hard to see them outside even the top four at this point. They're still a very good team. Obviously, we've already talked about it. Their offensive and defensive capabilities easily at number four for me. At number four, Fletch, who do you got? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got the Arizona Cardinals here at number four. Uh, they were number one last week. Um, I believe the week before as well. Um, yeah, back-to-back weeks and uh, just that loss to Green Bay. Um, I think Green Bay really just, you know, showed how good they were. And um, I think we really got to see where the Cardinals are. Um, I do believe the Cardinals are still a really good football team. I think they'll continue to make a lot of noise this year. Um, going into the playoffs, they, uh, just like a couple other teams that I have on, uh, coming up, I want to mention, they will be battle-tested. So uh, we'll, see, we'll, we'll see what happens the rest of the season. Kyler Murray's a little banged up from what I hear. Um, there is some question questions if he will even play next game. Very similar to like what Dak had to go through. I don't think it was a calf, but I think it's just his ankle. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll, we'll we'll see how that how that pans out. A guy like him, you know, uh, he's a little bit younger than Dak. Hasn't had any prior injuries in the NFL. So um, hopefully uh, they go ahead and bounce back, and I think they have a, a good chance against the Niners this week. So we'll see how that pans out. Yeah, uh, they definitely haven't been playing up to uh, par. And if, if Kyler Murray does have to sit out. Uh, they already lost A.J. Green to the COVID list. Uh, and then DeAndre Hopkins is still dealing with a hamstring injury. So uh, could be a little rough sledding the next couple weeks for them, but we'll see. But I like them sitting at number four for you. At number three, Fletch, who is your new number three? The Dallas Cowboys. I really, really like this team. Um, they're, they, they're moving up because so much has moved around around them. They were actually my number seven team last week, and it was really only because I was very confident in the top six, uh, to be honest with you. Um, they And then the Bengals I had right behind them, so that's how confident I was kind of at the moment in those teams, and the Dallas didn't lose. Literally, I, I, what is it, the Titans The Titans were on by, and they lost Derrick Henry. The, the Bills were on by. The Bucks lost. The Cards lost. I mean, you know, four out of the six teams the last week in front of them either didn't play or lost. And just as well as they played, um, you got Cooper Rush coming in doing 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 what he did, and you have Dak coming back this week. I think I think they're really setting up to have a good season. I have a feeling they'll blow my Broncos out. Um, yeah, I'm kind of nervous about that game to be honest with you, but um, <laughs> I got to I got I got to mess my number three team for the reasons you mentioned with the number five, top five offense, top ten defense. Um, they finally put together on that side of the ball, and that's beautiful to see. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll see what they can do against Denver this week. As for my number three, this is where I have the Green Bay Packers, obviously with Aaron Rodgers being part of that list. I have them sitting at number three. Uh, Once they get him back, again, they will continue to show just how good they are. I think defensively they still have a few things to work out, especially in that secondary but overall, I like them sitting at number three. My number two is where I have the Buffalo Bills sitting. I know, like you mentioned, their schedule wasn't the strongest. But at the same time, Josh Allen is playing, I think, MVP-type levels of football. 
at this time. Uh, at least in fantasy purposes, he has the QB4, QB1, and QB1 the past uh, several weeks that he has played. I like them climbing up to number two, and then I, at number one, have the Rams. They were sitting at number two. Cardinals fall out of it. The Rams in that amazing offense climb up to number one. Pretty easy for me. Fletch, who do you have at number two, and who is your number one? Yes, sir. Number two, I have the Green Bay Packers. It's obviously with Aaron Rodgers. Um, not penalizing that against them because it's only a week, maybe two, but we doubt it. Um, they just really showed how good they were, like I said, against the Cards. Um, they do have some good teams coming up that they you know, have on the schedule. Um I'm excited to see what they'll do uh, when Rodgers does come back. And like you said, there's a couple free agents on the market in the wide receiver category. So with a little bit of injury there, some COVID issues, who's to say you threw out Desan Jackson's name, might want to throw out Odell Beckham's name, never know what might happen. But at the same time as they are now, still number two team. And my number one is just like yours, man. We got those uh, Los Angeles Rams, still my Super Bowl pick playing like it i really like this team and they just got my favorite player von miller at least my team's favorite player um that's scary aaron donald in the rush in the middle von on the on the on the edge and now they've been playing ramsey at nickel a lot and he's closer to the line of scrimmage closer to the ball i should say it's going to be getting very interesting on both sides of this football, Clark, what, what this team is capable of doing. Very Buccaneers-esque, and I think there is a power shift in the NFL. We talked about the AFC being, you know, a very strong conference, and I think top to bottom they are. But these top five teams in the NFC, I don't know how many you have in your top, but I literally they're five of my top six. I have five in my top six as well. Yeah, very strong conference. Only team with two losses is the defending champs. All the other four teams, one loss and playing like they are Super Bowl contenders. Like you said, Cardinals need to kind of get back to what they were doing. But I just wanted to mention that it's, it, the NFC is becoming um, – and the Saints you have as the number six team right now. So, like, the NFC is really becoming a strong conference, and I'm curious to see who can join that team, join that top really five. You can throw in the Saints at six, especially with that win over the Bucks, and just see who possibly can emerge – um, leaves the door open for one team that I will mention that I think is going to make a hell of a run when he comes back, and that's the, so the Seahawks. Yeah, they, the NFC West and AFC West, for uh, for example, are both very heavily weighed, um, very much different when it comes to, like, when you look at the NFC North or the, uh, the AFC South even. The Titans have had such a good run, and everybody else is just there. The Colts could potentially put things together. Uh, they've looked better over the last several weeks. I don't still don't think they're within top ten range, uh, but I like to see. I like kind of like what Wentz is doing. He's not killing it at all, but he's not also killing them at the same time. So it'll be interesting to see there. But uh, that is our top ten for this week. We've had a little bit of movement up and down now, Fletch. Before we go here today, I, I got to confess something. Uh, I think we were a little too hard on Detroit and the D Detroit Lions in general today. <laughs> but I want to end this podcast on a, a forgiveness from me and a positive note to end this podcast. 
I I want to say that I can guarantee without a shadow of a doubt that the Detroit Lions will not lose this week. Granted, they're on a bye, but they will not lose this week. So always, oh, always good news to have. Um, so here at AKA Sports, I'm very glad uh, that we can continue this. This is episode number 15. Uh, Fletch, anything else before we uh, shut down the shop today? Um, not necessarily. Just watch the fights this weekend. Uh, baseball's over. Time to focus some more on basketball and football. Uh, we'll see how these college football playing shake uh, uh, playoff rankings shake out. Um, we had Cincinnati has a hard hill to climb, and I don't know if they can. And uh, we'll see if uh, what happens up there at the top as well. So um, that's all I got for now as well, Clark. Great show. Glad we hit 15, and we'll keep this train rolling. Absolutely. As for Fletch, my name is Clark Heron, a.k.a. the Harry Hobo, and we're out. Peace.